Amen. All right. Notice what it says in verse 7 of Second Chronicles chapter 1. It says, In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, Because that it was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. So notice in this story here, this is just a great story about Solomon, how here he is, he gets this massive task put on him. He is the king of Israel. Not only is he the king of Israel, but specifically he is the king of God's people. And Solomon, he was very overwhelmed by this. And so here he is and he's saying this prayer to God. And God tells, God tells Solomon, ask. What do you want from me, Solomon? I'm, I'm here to give you what you asked for. And we see that Solomon, he makes a very unselfish request. He asks for wisdom. And we do, we know that God ended up granting this request because Solomon is known as the wisest king that are the wisest man that ever lived. We have the book of Proverbs that is full of the wisdom of Solomon. We have the book of Ecclesiastes. We have uh, many of the Psalms were written by Solomon. And we have, uh, we have great, I mean, we learn great things from Solomon, great Proverbs that people still use to this day to try to teach other people wisdom. But it's, it's, uh, just a, it's a beautiful story here how Solomon, when this request comes to him, how just unselfish he was with this request. He talks about how, you know, he says, Lord, you've made me king. Lord, you did, you did this. You made me king over a people like the dust of the earth for multitude. He's thinking about the people with this request. He's thinking, if I'm going to rule over these people, I need to have wisdom. He was overwhelmed by the fact that it wasn't just a massive amount of people, but they were also God's people. He said, Lord, these are your people. This is your kingdom. And so he said, God, I just want wisdom. And I love what God said in verse 11. And God said to Solomon, because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches wealth. I believe this was something from the heart. Solomon here, he wasn't just asking for wisdom because he knew it was a wise decision to make. Because think about it. Alright, let's just be honest for a second. If God came to you at night and he said, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Okay? What would we ask for? Now, if you're smart, you would ask for wisdom. Why? Because look what God did with Solomon when he asked for wisdom. He got everything else, didn't he? He got, he got the whole package because he asked for the right thing. But notice how God said, this was in your heart. I, I believe this came from the heart of Solomon. Solomon really wanted wisdom. Solomon looked at himself and he's like, man, I, I can't do this task. I can't, I can't, give justice or do justice, I can't give God what He deserves. 
I don't have the wisdom to do that. And so when he asked for this wisdom, he, there was sincerity in this. He wasn't just making the smart choice, okay? You know, the book of Second Chronicles hadn't been written yet. The story hadn't happened. We've all learned from that. But I say that because, you know, I probably would ask for wisdom because I know that you get everything else too. And, you know, isn't it true that when it comes to our desires, we tend to have the wrong desires for all the wrong reasons. And it's like, well, you know, I feel like the Apostle Paul, how to do that which is good, I find not. I mean, the truth is, we're so wicked, we're so, we're just so bad, you know, we can't, you know, we can't even do a good thing without making it bad somehow. And I would. I would probably ask for wisdom, thinking, I'm going to get all the other stuff too. You know, and it's just, it's just our evil heart. What are we supposed to do about this? How can we, how can we help this? Because the truth is, Solomon, unfortunately, he did not keep this attitude. Notice how in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, he keeps talking about God. He keeps talking about God's people. God, God, look at all you gave me. Lord, you gave me this. Lord, I need to do this for you. That was his desire. But let's contrast that with uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 4. Look what the Bible says there. This is the same guy that we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Look at what we see later in his life. And here this is later in his life, but he's telling us what he did. So somewhere along the lines, Solomon's focus changed. He got less concerned about God and God's people, and he got a little more concerned about himself. All right, and I'm going to emphasize some words in here. All right, but notice in Second Chronicles 2 verse 4, it says, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith, the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house, and I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold, and the peculiar treasure of the kings, and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers, and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Alright? Can somebody say narcissist? Alright? Can somebody say, I mean, this guy is self-obsessed right here, and not only was he obsessed with himself, I mean, he was good at obsessing with himself and taking care of himself and giving himself everything he wanted. He was really good at it. He succeeded. But we also see that Solomon later in his life, he got involved in idolatry. Now, what made him get involved in idolatry? Okay, He believed in God. He loved God. But you know what? He loved himself more later in life because he said, why would a guy who believes in God worship idols? I'll tell you why. Because he was trying to impress all these wives of his, all these women that he brought into his house. They served other gods. And to please them and to make them happy so they would give him what he wanted, he gave them what they wanted, and he did wicked things. I personally believe, you know, when he did some of these things with idols, he knew it was fake. 
You know, he he wasn't doing it from the heart. He knew it, and it was a wicked sin that he did. God ended up splitting the kingdom because of what he did. But at the same time, we see that Solomon's focus changed. And we all need to understand that, you know what, when it comes to our spiritual life and our personal life, you know, we might be doing good today, but that doesn't mean we're going to be doing good tomorrow. We've got to maintain a walk with God. We've got to maintain a spiritual focus. And at any point, you know, we can, we can start going the wrong direction and get in big trouble. But how can we have these right desires for the right reason? How can we keep our heart right? What is it that we need to do? And just to kind of illustrate more what I'm talking about, just to show just how wicked we are and to show how self-obsessed we are and just with getting stuff for ourselves and just pleasing the desires of our flesh. All right? You know, once again, how often is it when we, when you are reading the Bible, when you're listening to preaching, what is your motivation for obeying God? Is your motivation to please God or are you, is your motivation to get blessings from God for yourself? Okay? Now don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with desiring blessings. I want God's blessings. I want, you know, I'll just be honest. Yeah, I want it. I want God's blessings. I want God to take care of me. I want Him to take really good care of me. Alright? I'll just admit it. But I want to please God too. Alright? So the thing is, what's my motivation? Am I trying to get blessings for myself or am I trying to please God no matter what? And you know what? How to find that which is good? I find out sometimes. Sometimes, you know, I feel like that double-minded man that's unstable in all his ways. I want to do things with a perfect heart. I want to do it for the right reasons. But it's not always easy. And the truth is, when it comes to the right motivations, I mean, God hasn't changed on this. All right, look what it says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. It says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. So we see here in the Bible that you know those who are trying to save their life, not just trying to save themselves from death or anything like that, but those whose life is all about themselves and what they can get for themselves and do for themselves, the Bible says those people are going to lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, those who say, you know what, forget about what I want, forget about my, forget about life itself, alright? If I have to die for Christ, so be it. The Bible says those who have that focus, they're the ones that are actually going to find that life. Okay? And what does our carnal mind say? Okay. Alright, I'm denying myself, I'm giving myself up, you know, now am I going to find all these things? Well, notice how he mentions here, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, alright, He's going to reward people then. You know, we might not always get the blessings on this earth, and I'm afraid that too many times our Christian walk, our works, the things we do, it's all for selfish reasons. And you know what makes me sick about this? There are preachers out there that exploit this in people. That absolutely exploit Does anybody know who Robert Tilton is? Alright? 
Go look up Robert Tilton videos on YouTube, all right? If you get corrupted by listening to Robert Tilton, I'm sorry, you're just so foolish. You know, you deserve to get corrupted. But I mean, this guy, he's one of these prophecy preachers. He's one of these guys who has this TV show and people just send in money. You know, you, you got, you have trouble on your credit card? You can't pay off $10,000 off on your credit card? Well, you know what? Why don't you just take a step of faith and put another $1,000 on that credit card and send it to me and God will bless you and help you pay off. The $11,000 now. That's, what, that, that's the kind of thing he teaches. I mean, it is garbage. And people fall for that. And this guy, he's, he's, he's succeeded and ripping people off. And a lot of people do this stuff. But you know, it's important that we do things for the right reasons. We don't want to get caught up in these get-rich-quick schemes. Many Christian people are serving God and doing things right. And they see God... It's like a get-rich-quick opportunity. But 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. I'll tell you a snare is sending your money to Robert Tilton. You know, or Creflo Dollar, or these people like that. Uh, the snare, and to many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So we see that there, it, it is a bad thing. It is a dangerous thing when we're just trying to get rich quick. That's a dangerous thing. The love of money, it's the root of all evil. And there are people today that even are, they're, they're trying spiritual things with the motive of, you know, physical reward, of financial reward. They look at God as nothing more than a get rich quick gimmick. And there are preachers that promote this stuff. And, you know, and there's a lot of slogans that are out there. If you go to a camp meeting, Alright, camp meeting offering time is one of the funniest things in the world. Alright, just make sure you don't take your wallet, don't take your credit card if you ever want to go to one of these things and watch. Alright, just in case they get you caught up in the emotion. You're going to regret it later. But I mean, I, I was watching, somebody shared a link for a camp meeting the other day. And I, we were driving, I was like, oh, we were bored driving. I was like, well, let's watch this, this should be good. And when we got on there, we thought it was the invitation. They had the altar call music going. People are up at the altar praying. People are crying, hugging, all this stuff's going on. And all of a sudden, I'm watching, I realized it wasn't an altar call. It was the offering. That was an offering that was going on. And you say, and, you, and I, if you've never been to a camp meeting, altar calls and offerings can be very similar sometimes. And basically what they did, they had, they had a preacher get up and he starts just trying to encourage people to give their money. And they just, they will say some of the weirdest things, you know. And here's some sayings too. And, you know, don't think I'm bashing all of these sayings, alright. But I'm gonna, I want to say some of these things too because I'm afraid, first off, they don't really get this from the Bible. But the thing is, they use these sayings 
to get people's carnal, you know, use people's carnal desires to get their money out of them. You know, offering time comes. I've thought about trying this before just to see if it works, you know, whenever we just need money around the church, but, uh, the Holy Spirit hasn't let me do it yet. But, you know, they just get up there, they get the music. I thought about having a piano player come and play some invitation music just to kind of demonstrate. Uh, maybe I shouldn't do that. It's Sunday, it's Sunday morning in church. I don't, I don't want to be sacrilegious or anything like that, but, you know, they get the, you know, I surrender all playing. You know, y'all out there singing, I surrender all, you won't even surrender what's in your wallet. You know, singing, I surrender all, you know, you, you know, the sing songs about faith, you ain't got enough faith to write a check. You know, some of y'all, if you had faith, you know, you would write a check right now for the balance in your checkbook. And I wouldn't go over real good with some people, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be much of an offering. You know, but some guy take far, you know what, why don't you, if you really had faith, You'd write a check for more than what you got in your checking account right now. I believe God will put that money in your bank account before you get there. How are you going to know if you don't try it out? You know, you know, it sounds like tempting God. I mean, they they try these things, folks. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll stop. You can't outgive God. You know, what does that even mean? You know, cannot. You know, it's like it, it, they're just trying to say, you know, if you give, you're just going to get back and listen. You know, I do. I believe if you give, you're going to get back. But you know what? It might not be this week. Listen, if you got to buy your family groceries tomorrow, you know, I'm not saying you don't go spending all the grocery money or giving all away all the grocery money. You'll get paid back, and you know, maybe it might not be till the kingdom of God. In the meantime, you know, you did get commanded by God to take care of your family and feed your family. You didn't, you were not commanded by God necessarily to give all of your money to the camp meeting preacher because he told an emotional story. But they'll use those slogans. You, you can't outgive God. Try it. I dare you. I dare you. Try it. You know, and see, see if you can outgive God. See if you can outgive God. See how much money you can give this week and see, you know, the problem if I try that with you and then it doesn't work, you're all never going to give again. But, you know, they'll use these things, you know. At that camp meeting I'm watching where they're doing that, you know, the preacher gets up there and he's done. I've, I've quoted this before and I'm going to quote it again just because it's my new favorite saying. He said, if you'll throw it out the front door with the shovel, God will throw it in your back door with the backhoe. <laughs> Chapter and verse, please, you know. <laughs> you know, they just, they say these things, they sound so good. You know, man, whew, you know, whoop out the checkbook, you know, right, you know. You know, I've heard him say this. You shouldn't give to get. You know, they tell you all these stories. If you give, you know, you're going to get. But you shouldn't give to get. You should give to get so you can give again. You know, that's the, those are the type of things that they say. And then, oh man, you know, people, they get all caught up and they just, they, I mean, they give all this money. I was at a, I was at a camp meeting one time. And the preacher just gets up there. It's his time to preach. Now, I'm not going to name this person. I, I should, I, but I'm not going to. I will give a hint. I just preached in his town yesterday. But anyway, he was up there and he, he gets up there to preach and, you know, he, he's an older preacher and he gets, he, he just kind of gets real emotional. He's like, you know, we ought to give to this meeting. You know, some of y'all, we need to be a blessing. These meetings, you know, they cost a lot of money, you know, and some of you, you're just, you know, you're always trying to hang on to your money and let's, God's not going to bless that. You know, I, I just believe in giving, you know, God, 
bless me up. You know, he's like, he like pulls out a couple of $100 bills out of his pocket and he just, he goes over and he hands it to the pastor. I'm like, I don't even know where I got this. You know, now what was he, what was he saying? You don't know where you got $200 in your suit pocket? All right. Okay. Obviously you don't need a love offering, you know, for coming out here. I mean, you got $200 in your pocket. You don't even know where you got it from. All right. But you know, what was he saying? You know, God blesses me so much, I don't even know where I get all my money. You know, and, and people see that and man, I want that. I want to just reach into my pocket and find hundred dollar bills and not know where they came from. You know? And that's the type of thing that they use to motivate people to give. Now, folks, I am a hundred percent forgiving, but you know what? We've got to get past doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. We need to do the right thing for the right reasons. We need to do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. We need to do the right thing no matter what. We need to be doing things just because we want to please God. That needs to be our desire. We need to be like Solomon was in his early days. Whenever he's asking for something, all he can think about are the people, the other people that he's going to affect, the people that God put him over. All he can think about is just pleasing God, understanding that it was God that put him in this position. He was so focused on God and others that he made this request this of wisdom that I mean has been a blessing that is still being a blessing to people today. We are blessed today by the wisdom of Solomon whenever we read the book of Proverbs. And, and when we read from his mistakes that he made in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we need to have a desire for to do the right things for the right reason. But how are we going to do that? How are we going to the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it how are we going to make sure that our hearts right the first thing or our our desires are right first thing is don't follow your heart okay don't follow your heart that's what and unfortunately that is the world's motto today follow after your heart you know just whatever it is you want go for it folks the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it and we all say, and, and, and we mean it too when we say, you know, the reason we want money is because we want to just be able to take care of our family. Isn't that noble? You know, it has nothing to do with that bass boat you're wanting or, you know, whatever. But, you know, we, you know, we, we, I just want money because I just want to be able to be a blessing to other people. I've heard people say that before. I just want to win the lottery so I can give half of it to the church. Fine, give half your paycheck to the church. You know, I, I just I just want to win the lottery so I can be a blessing to others. Oh, really? The only way you can be a blessing to others is by giving them money. You know, we act like we have all these noble things. What's going on here? The truth is, our heart is so wicked. We make ourselves think that we're noble for just wanting, you know, for wanting to get rich quick. You know, we 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 deceive ourselves. We do that with our heart, and we've got to know better than to follow our heart. But then, you know, we have that verse in Jeremiah 17, 9, but then we also have Psalms 37, verses 4 and 5. It says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So wait a minute. You know, we're, our heart's deceitful and wicked, but if we delight in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our heart. What does that mean? Is there, you know, I thought we're not supposed to follow our heart. Well, here's... Here's the thing, okay? Our heart is. It's deceitful. It's desperately wicked. But you know what? There is a part of us that wants to do right, isn't there? If you're saved today, there is a part of you that wants to do right. You want to love God. You want to serve God. You want to do the right things for the right reasons. But you've got this flesh too that gets you tripped up sometimes, doesn't it? 
So in Psalms, when it's talking about him giving you the desires of your heart, it is, it's talking about those desires that are right, those desires that are good, not the carnal ones, all right? But those, those things that are good. It's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a contradiction there, but yet we have contradictions in our mind, don't we? Because we can't figure out what we want. We do. We want to do right, but our flesh wants things too. And so the last thing we need to be doing is, you know, falling for these stupid, you know, get rich quick schemes that they're doing in churches, you know, using carnal things to try to get people doing the right thing. And what we need to do is get our focus on doing things the right way for the right reasons. And notice what it says in verse 5 of Psalms 37. It says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. So what we've got to do, if we're going to keep our desires right and have for the right reasons, what we need to do is we've just got to get focused on just following the Word of God. Keeping His commandments. And just saying, you know what? Yes, there is a part of me that wants to get rich. There is a part of me that wants the treasures of this world and the things of this world. But there's another part of me that wants to serve God. There's another part of me that wants to be, wants to be obedient. And the Bible says, if I delight in the Lord, He'll give me the desires of my heart. Which ones? You know, the mansion, the bass boat, or the obeying God? Well, you know what you just need to do? Okay, if God wants you to have all those other things, the best way to get it is by staying His will. So what you just got to do is forget about what you want. In other words, you just need to lose your life and say, you know what? I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to trust God that He knows what's best, that His way will make me happiest. Because many of the things that we say that we want, we say we want them because we think they will make us happy, don't we? We think money will make us happy. Alright? I'm convinced it will. Alright? And I'm hoping I get tested on it someday. Alright? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, we, we think that, but the truth is, God knows what will make us happy. And God knows what will make us miserable. Our hearts so deceitful, many of the things that we think will bring us happiness will only bring us misery. And God knows that. So what we've just got to do is we've got to make our focus on just committing our way into the Lord. Trusting in Him. Letting Him give us the things that He wants us to have. And it's, if, if it's God's will for you to have a job, you know you know what you need to do? Or if it's your, God's will for you to, uh, when it comes to your job, you know what you need to do? You need to focus on, and when trying to find that job, you need to focus on the things that you know are God's will. You know it's God's will for you to take care of your family. You know it's God's will for you to go to church. You know it's God's will for you to you know, be in the house of God, things like that. Do all the things that you know to do, and God will take care of the other things. God will take care of the details. And that, look at what it says in Matthew 6, verse 31. See, what we've just got to do is we've got to let God worry about our needs. It's like we're always trying to worry about the things that are really it's God's job to worry about. But it says in Matthew 6.31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the, the Bible's real clear right there. That's one of the clearest verses in the Bible, yet one of the hardest to follow. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. If we do that, all the other things will take care of themselves. When it comes to deciding where you're going to work, you know what you need to say? All right, what will keep me in the will of God? It's God's will for me to take care of my family, which isn't always just about you know paying the bills 
and stuff. It's about actually being there for them. All right. You know, you might be able to get a job, you know, going and working overseas somewhere and sending your money back to the States, but is that really what's best for your family? Just providing money? Okay? No, you need to actually be there for them. I would say that's probably not God's will. There's places you could go where you would probably make more money, but maybe there's no church for you to go to there. That's not God's will for you because it's God's will that you be in church. It's God's will that you be in the house of God and serving the Lord. You know, and it's like, so what you just need to do, do the things you know are God's will and let God take care of the details. Let God add all these things that He promised that He would. And you know, most people today, they sit around worrying about all the things that are, you know, or they, they'll sit around obsessing about God's will while ignoring the things that they know is God's will. You know, a lot of young people, they sit around wondering, you know, who am I going to marry? You know, what am I going to do for a living? Things like that. And they just sit around thinking about those things instead of focusing on God's will for them today. Hey, you know what? Why don't you just focus on God's will for you today? Let Him worry about what's coming in the future. Let him, let him worry about bringing that spouse along and that job opportunity or whatever. Let him take care of those things. But many people today, I, I've, I've gone to church with people before. They sit around in church always, you know, asking prayer that the Lord will help show them his will while they do absolutely nothing. I've known people that have wanted to go into the ministry. I know many people today, many young people today, they leave their church to go to Bible college. So they can go get trained for the ministry. They graduate from Bible college. And then you know what they end up doing half the time? and Actually, more than half the time in some of these Bible colleges. They stay in that big church, sitting around, doing nothing, waiting for God's will to be revealed. In other words, waiting for some church to offer them a full-time job with benefits. That's, that, that, that's what they do. And they do nothing. It, they just continue staying in that big church, working on their bus route, helping their Sunday school class, instead of just going out to some church somewhere and just going and doing the will of God. You think it's God's will for you to be an assistant pastor? Then you know what? Go find a pastor that likes you and go be his assistant and don't get paid for it. Just go and do it. You know, it's God's will. You think, you think it's God's will for you to start a church? You know what? Just go start a church. Don't wait until all the money has been given to you. You know what? You, you know, it, it's crazy what these people are expecting from Bible college, and it's and they sit around doing nothing. It's like, hey, bozo. One thing we know, it's God's will for you to be a soul winner. Why don't you go do that for a change? You know, why don't you go do some of these things you know is God's will? And they sit around doing nothing. I went to church with a man for years who sat around doing nothing. He said he got counsel from a preacher who told him to do nothing until he got the green light from the pastor to do something. Well, that man had conveniently died before anybody could, you know, fact check. All right, but you know what? I knew the man. I didn't need to fact check. He didn't mean for him to just sit on his can and do nothing in the church until he was offered a position. But that was what he tried to act like. And I was like, you know what? Finally, one time I told him, I said, you know what? Why don't you just do things that you know are God's will right now? Why don't you go sewing? Why don't you get involved? Why don't you get involved in nursing home ministry? You know, you want to preach in a church somewhere, but you won't go preach in a nursing home. You don't deserve to preach behind a pulpit if that's your attitude. You don't deserve to pastor a church if that's your attitude. There's all these ministries in the church and you're participating in none of them 
because you're sitting around waiting for God's will? That's just, that's just foolishness. And there are many people that are like that today. You know what we need to do in our daily life is focus on the things we know are God's will. You know it's God's will you read your Bible. You know it's God's will that you have a prayer life. You know it's God's will that you love your wife or you love your husband, that you love your kids and take care of them. You know it's God's will that you go to church. You know it's God's will that you love the brethren. You know it's God's will that you love your neighbor. We know all these things, yet we do nothing sitting around waiting for this big thing somewhere. You know what? Do those little things, those things that you know are God's will. You need to make your life focus on glorifying God, not waiting for the big divine appointment. Everybody, it's like they're just sitting around waiting for God to show up in a burning bush like He did for Moses. You know what? Don't wait for that. Just today. Say, you know what? Today, I'm going to do something to glorify God. You know, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. God created you for His pleasure God is not there for your pleasure. And that's how many people act today. They act like God's up in heaven just waiting for our prayers so He can please us. You know, that's alright. We look at God sometimes like He's our servant. No, we are His servants. We were here for His pleasure and you need to make that your focus. We need to remember we are only stewards of the things that God has of things that already belong to God. That's what, that's what we need to understand. We we shouldn't be too distressed if God ends up taking some things that were already His to begin with. I I think Job said it best. The words of Job uh, are you know are just some of the most amazing words in the Bible. You know the story how Job lost everything. God took everything of Job's. And one day he took all his possessions, he took all of his children, and in Job 1.20 it says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. In other words, I came into the world with nothing. I'm going out of this world with nothing. He said, The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of of the Lord in all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. The reason Job was able to react like this was because of the fact he had a clear understanding that everything he had was from God. Everything. He didn't look at it like Solomon and he said, I got me children. I got me possessions. I got me lands. He didn't say that. He said, the Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He understood that God, just as God gave it to him before, God could give it to him again if he so chose. And you know what? God did choose to do that. God eventually did give Job back. In fact, God gave Job double. Because God, you know why? Because God wanted to. And you got some people today, they'll read that story in Job. God takes something from them, and then it's like they're waiting for their double from God. All right, Lord, you took my car and you wrecked it. I better get two more cars back or a car that's twice as expensive. That's our attitude. It's like we think we deserve these things. It's like our attitude is we do these things so we can get these other things for ourselves. Once again, we make these things about our selfish desires 
It, because just because of our carnality, and we've got to remember, we are only stewards of things that belong to God. Our bodies are the temple of God. We were bought with a price. So you know what? You know, God can do what He wants with this body. You know, if we have to die for our faith, well, you know what? It was God that gave us the life. It was God that gave us this body. And if He wants us to lay it down, you know what? It's His. Just like if I let you borrow something of mine, you know, you, it's important that you understand it's yours. If I let you borrow my car, alright, I make you a steward of my car. I, it might come with certain restrictions, alright? Hey, you know, you, you can use this as needed, but at some point I might need it back. Alright? And you know what? You ought to just be thankful for the time that you have it. You know, didn't have to do that. Every time you have it, every month that you have it, it's a month you didn't have to make a car payment. And if one, and if one of these days I come along and say, you know what? I need my car back. You say, well, no, I've had it for six months now. It's mine. You know, no, it was never yours. It was never yours. It was given to you and you now need to give it back. This life that we have, it came from God. God is a source of life. He gave it to us. If He asks us to lay it down, you know what? It's His. We need to say, okay, fine, it's yours. That's what we'll do. If God wants to take our possessions, say, that's fine. They're your possessions to take. Thank you for letting me have them for as long as you did. That needs to be our attitude. That was Job's attitude. But you know what? People today... Whenever they lose things, if God comes along, maybe He takes something from them, they end up getting distressed. And many times what they end up doing is that all of a sudden, you know, they're trying to figure out, you know, what sin is in my life? What did I do? What have I done to deserve this? You know, what do I have to do to get it back? Once again, you know, the motivation is not to please God. It's not to glorify God. It's what do I have to do to get these things back for myself? When if the Lord does take something from us, you know what we, our attitude should be as, alright, Lord, I hope you're able to do something great. I hope you're able to glorify yourself with what you've done. Lord, if you take my life, I pray that it glorifies you in a great way. Lord, if you take my possessions, I pray, I pray that those possessions will be used for Your glory in a way that will bring You honor and in a way that will bring You pleasure, that should be our attitude. But folks, we've got to understand our flesh is always going to be in the way. Our flesh, it's it's carnal. We can be very double-minded in this thing if we're not careful. And we've got to make sure that we stay focused on these things because the devil is a master at getting us distracted with the things of this world. And that's why the Bible said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. We've got to stay, we've got to watch out for those things. And in Matthew chapter 19 verse 27, go ahead and turn over there. So we've got to decide what we're living for. You need to figure out what your real goal is. And you know what? When you try to figure it out, there's going to be a conflict in your mind. You're going to, there's going to be a good thing and there's going, to, there's going to be bad things. Okay, The good things that are in your mind, that comes from the Spirit of God. The bad things come from the flesh. And, you know, and this we, we've got to decide, am I living for this world or am I living for the world to come? And the, the key to finding satisfaction 
And what you have is to not pay attention to it or take any thought for it. Okay? Look what it says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. All right? I'll say more about that in a second. It says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and have followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that which ye have, that, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken homes, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So right there we see a great promise. We see that promise of a hundredfold. But notice this is in the next life. This is in God's kingdom. So guess what that means? That means in order to get these rewards, you're going to have to have some faith on this earth. Which just happens to be what God is pleased with. But once again, in order for us to keep that as our focus, we have to learn to not even pay attention to the things we have. If you're being, and so if you are being blessed financially with physical things, you know what? Take no thought for it. Don't let those things turn to the motivation, alright? If you do, if you start doing some good things for God, you're doing good for God, you know, you're giving, and the Lord just starts blessing you financially, alright? Don't let those financial blessings be the motivation for you to continue doing right, because you know what? What if they dry up? What if it stops? You know what? Take no thought for it. Don't pay attention to it. You're, you should be so focused on the next life that you, you're fine if you get nothing in this life. Understanding that if I get nothing in this life, I'll have probably even more in the next life. I'm afraid many of us are getting too many of our blessings and too many of our rewards here in this earth. But you've got to, you've got to make that your focus. And these preachers that get up and show off and brag about their material blessings that they're getting on this earth is getting people focused on all the wrong things. You know, pulling out $100 bills they don't know where they got. I mean, I know preachers out there. I've seen them like tweet pictures and stuff of, you know, their fancy houses and fancy cars and all these things that they have. And, you know, and it, it pays to serve the Lord. Okay, you got that house from serving the Lord. So if we're as good a servant as you, we can have a house like that? Is that what you're trying to tell us? That's exactly what they're trying to tell us. And is that right? Do we see in the Bible that those who serve the Lord are always rich? Sometimes they were. Guys like Abraham. Guys like Job. You know, but was Jesus Himself rich? Increased good? Were the disciples Rich, no, these people, they, they were despised. We can't tell from that stuff. We can't tell from possessions who's right with God and who's not. Because these clowns that are out there, you know, John the Hamlins that are out there showing off their fancy suits and Donald Trump ties and their, you know, expensive cufflinks and things like that. Okay, guys like him that show all that stuff off and act like it's their blessings for them serving the Lord. Okay, well then you know who's doing even better than you? You know, Robert Tilton, Benny Hinn, you know, T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen. Those guys are way more right with God than you. Yeah, you got a nice car. They got a whole fleet of cars. 
Yeah, you might drive a nice fancy vehicle. You know, you drive around that brand new Escalade or whatever that I, I, I one preacher I saw driving around. I think it was pretty fancy. But you know what? What's that one guy that's got his own airport? I forgot his name. He's like the richest preacher in the, in the world. I can't think of his name. But there's, there's one. He's got his own stinking airport. That's how rich this guy is. So these preachers that use that kind of stuff are sending a wrong message and people are falling for it. You know why? Because they have selfish desires. I want my own airport. You know, I want my own private jet. I better listen to this guy. No, you know what you need to do? You need to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And you just need to... It, it shouldn't even be a factor what you get out of it in this world. You should be so focused on the next life that if you do end up getting blessed in this life, you don't even notice it because you're not paying attention to that. You're paying attention to the next life and you're in the kingdom of God. And that needs to be our focus... And that, and if we can try, if we can think about these things and focus on these things, it can help us have the right desires for the right reasons. We want, and I don't. I'm not saying God's going to come to all of us and ask us whatever you want. I'm going to give it. But you know what? When it comes to the things that we desire, I if I believe if they're for the right reason, if they're like Solomon was, I believe God will give us. Those things that we desire. And we might get the bonus stuff too, like Solomon did, but we might not. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to take thought for it. I'm not even going to factor it in. It, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. I want to, I want to serve God. I want to do it for the right reasons. And so, with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for the fact that you saved us, Lord. We ought to be satisfied with that if we ever get anything else in this life. But we thank you for the blessings that we do receive. But I pray you'll help us, Lord, to uh, just have a life focused on glorifying you and pleasing you. And I just pray that you'll uh, help us to c continue in that until your return. In your name we pray. Amen.